This is the album collection, and we're talking about one of our favorite artists, Thomas Rhett, his debut album. It goes like this. Released in October of 2013, followed up his EP put out not too far earlier. Had three number one hits, so a very successful debut album. Emily, you chose the album. Why? And what does this album mean? Like, what is, what's your early diagnosis? Okay, well, I think, first of all, we have to keep in mind that this album came out when TR was 23 years old, which means he probably wrote the songs between the ages of, like, 17 to 22. Right? And it's during Bro Country. Bro Crunch Tree, peak 2013. Mm-hmm. And I always hear like the, the people who are all about, you know, authentic country. They're always like, oh, bring back early TR. Now his stuff is too pop and too blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, let's dig into his first album and see how country it really was. And I'm kind of like, am I missing something? It's very not country, I don't think. No. It's very bro country, very... I would say like frat boy bro yeah. country. <laughs> There's, but I feel like there is that, and maybe that's what bro country was. Is like it's that fifteen to twenty two, twenty three year old males country music. Yes. It's like uh, imagine Morgan Wallen's. Like that's that. That's that music fan base. Yes. Not saying they're the same or it's the same time. Right, right. Like that rowdy. No. Yeah, just good old boys want to have some fun. and. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. just these down-home country boys that just Right. Want, you know. And I also felt, don't you think he sounded a little more twangy at some oh, points? Sure. A little more like Southern drawl on him. But um, yeah, I just think, at least maybe for us, TR is, is probably going to define our generation maybe of, of country music. And this yeah. album was only seven years ago. It's just kind of crazy to see his evolution happen so quick. But I think a lot of it has to do with, they chose really good singles off this album because for me, at least besides the four singles, five, I'm sorry. There's not much that I would have taken away from this. Oh, there's, there's a couple for me. What we can get to. There's a couple, but yeah, I, I thought they chose well, but anyways, your thoughts. Yeah, no, they, they definitely nailed the singles. Uh, the, the three main ones. So they, on his EP had something to do with my hands and beer of Jesus. Those were technically released as singles to radio and not on like the main chart, but like radio airplay. Some of them did pretty good. I think, uh, beer of Jesus got into the top 20 but then it was, it was the three main ones. Uh, it goes like this: "Give me some of that and make me wanna." And that you can't ask for a better debut album than three number one hits. Like, right. You, you just right. can't. I mean, I guess Luke Combs has probably had the better. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's how you're drawn up. Whatever he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I almost want to like people to throw a party whenever Luke Combs has a single that does not go number one and like, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, um, I know we got songwriters and producers coming up here. I, I, I want to talk about the producers first because 
three very well-known producers on this debut album. Uh, we had Jay Joyce, longtime frequent Eric Church producer. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Miranda, Keith Urban, Brothers Osborne, and Ash McBride as of late. Michael Knox, uh, Trace Atkins, Montgomery Gentry, but most importantly, Jason Aldean. He's produced mm-hmm. basically everything and kind of helped Jason create that sound that's turned him into a superstar. Uh, and then Luke Laird, uh, hit songwriter, producer at times. Songs like American Kids, Give Me Back My Hometown, Space Cowboy. So those three produced the songs on this album and get the album credit. But what's interesting, and it doesn't come that surprising when you hear the rest of his albums, this was it for these three guys producing on Thomas Red albums. Up until really? After this, he TR went to Dan Huff and Jesse Frazier. Huh. And I think, I mean, credit to TR. Maybe it wasn't like a forced fork in the road moment, but I think, I think his career career and his sound goes a little different if he, you know, right, same producers and whatnot. So yeah, which also, I mean, such big names to have working on your debut full length album. Do you think? any of it had to do with his dad being in the business already that he maybe had known some of these people for a while or, you know, knew of them or had some connections that way. I mean, he was so young to just be like, okay, here I am. I'm going to work with some of these best producers who have made really good albums with some top tiered artists. I just don't know how that comes about. Yeah. I mean, to say that he did not have a, leg up on anyone else i think that'd be a disservice like he clearly he clearly had connections uh but he was you know he started off as a a songwriter first and foremost Mm -hmm. um what we got here uh parking lot party round here so yeah i think i think he was making those inroads with the country community Mm -hmm. he uh you know, if if you're running a marathon, everyone else starts at mile marker zero. He probably didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he uh, yeah. he probably got a little bit of a head start, but yeah. At the same time, that only gets you so far. Like right, right, absolutely, and maybe sometimes it's a hindrance to him too, which right. probably is why he doesn't go by his last name. He just uses like his first and middle name. Mm-hmm. Maybe so the outside world doesn't. And not saying like, so Red Atkins himself had hits and he was, you know, you know, 90s guy, but then he kind of just went into the songwriting. So the community, the Nashville community knew of him and knew his son was in the business. But outside of that, you hear, oh, here's Thomas Rhett with Beer with Jesus. And you're just like, oh, who's this new artist? Right. Until someone tells you, then you're like, oh, okay. I don't want to be rude, but it's not like he's the son of Alan Jackson or Garth Brooks. Right. Right. And I think not having the exact same name probably helped. Yeah. Not within the community. Everyone knew who he was, but mm-hmm. oh, who's this new? Oh, like I'm always curious of like, let's say one of Luke Bryan's kids wants to be a singer and it's what's the tag, 
right? Is that one of Tate. them? Tate. Tate. Tate Bryan. Be like, oh, that must be Luke Bryan's kid. I, I always wonder that element of like how right. that was so that it's not the first thing you think of. But yeah. Yeah. He, Rhett wasn't... Uh, when Thomas was coming up, he wasn't still like doing the artist thing. Right. Right. Yeah. He's more behind the scenes, but still like highly regarded. Yeah. And he's on this album a lot too. Oh yeah. Uh, so speaking of songwriters, I'll just go through the, the top five hits that were released, uh, singles. So something to do with my hands, Thomas Rhett <laughs> co-wrote it with Lee, with Lee Thomas Miller Lee Thomas Miller has written uh, some other ones here. Terry Clark's I Just Want to Be Mad and Joe Nichols' The Impossible. Do you know who the third co-writer on this song is? Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is Wikipedia pulling my leg? <laughs> it, one of those things where you hit play, and if you were to guess the songwriter, he'd be the last guy I'd guess. The last guy. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say Willie Nelson wrote it before. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stapleton. Yeah. That one kind of shook me a little bit. I don't know. Obviously he's like, well, I'm not going to cut this song, but you know, I'm sure songwriters get ideas and they're like, oh, I don't really like it. It's not for me, but it'd be good for someone else. Like, I don't, I don't know. This one's hard to wrap your head around. This joke made bomb and fail. And I really vowed never to bring politics in. And I won't. But you could have told me Donald Trump or Joe Biden wrote this song. And I would have believed you more than you telling me Chris Stapleton wrote this song. Well. Hmm. There's some inside jokes there. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, that was, that's an interesting one. And I didn't dig deeper to see like what other songs Chris Stapleton wrote before he became big, but. Like, do you think he played this at his shows when he first started out? Like, oh, hey, guys, I wrote no. this. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, Stapleton, he has, I mean, if you're listening and don't know other ones, Stapleton is written by now. He's it's Kenny Chesney. He's never wanted uh, nothing more. Comeback song, Darius Rucker, Drink a Beer, Luke Bryan. Uh, other TR, he's written Crash and Burn, which that's another one that is kind of like, yeah. I'd love to hear like his version of it. And maybe I'll right. it on YouTube. Let's see here. Uh, get me some of that. My all-time favorite TR jam. <laughs> Michael Carter. He's a songwriter. Uh, he's written for Cole and Luke. Cole is also a songwriter on this one. And then Red Akins. Uh, of course. Cole Swindell. What was that? Mm-hmm. Well, you just said Cole, and I was just clarifying Cole Swindell. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, we're, I guess we're not technically a first <laughs> basis here letting you know but yes Cole Swindell sounds so much like a Cole Swindell song yes like it's not that far removed you know when we get to matchmakers I I put Cole down for one song but he could do any TR song I feel like definitely pretty interchangeable uh the biggest smash hit on this was it goes like this written by Red Akins Ben Hayslip again every song on the radio it's every other song he's written. Um, and then Jimmy Robbins. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure be cool if you did by Blake, Beach, and Jake Owen. Most recently, another smash hit, The Bones by Maren Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, other, the last two, Make Me Wanna 
TR co-wrote that with Bart Butler, who's written a bunch of uh, John Party, like Up All Night and Heartache on the Dance Floor. Uh, Larry McCoy is the other co-writer on that. He's uh, He's gotten some Luke Combs uh, credits, not Luke Combs singles, but album cuts. And then uh, Beer with Jesus, Thomas Rhett wrote with Rick Huckabee, who's written with uh, Trace Atkins and Tracy Lawrence. And then Lance Miller, who has written all across the spectrum with messaging. He wrote uh, Jared Neiman's Drink to That All Night, Real Men Love Jesus, and Tim McGraw's current signal, I Called Mama. So he's all... (laughs) Quite the arsenal they have. Wow. Exactly, yeah. All right. How do you you think... uh, how do you think the critics reviewed this album? I have, I have two. Um, well, from the short snippet on Wikipedia, it was actually taken pretty well. Yeah. Which I kind of was surprised by. <laughs> right. Um, so the first one is just a very quick blurb from Rough Stock. Uh, no like numbers are stars or whatever, but they say there's plenty on It Goes Like This to suggest that Thomas Rhett has a talent to be a top-line star, but it'll just be if radio's ready to allow him to be the star his own father was destined to be and eventually became as a songwriter of multiple hits. Either way, Thomas Rhett's got himself a very good, musically diverse debut album, an album which should find some sort of an audience. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's accurate and vague at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's not really critical. It just says he's got potential. Yeah. Uh, all music, Steve Leggett, three and a half out of five stars. Thomas Rhett had a pretty good run in the 2000s. The son of country crooner and singer and songwriter Red Akins. He's written hits for Jason Aldean and Florida Georgia Line, as well as putting two of his own singles in top 30 country charts. And he hit the top spot in the summer of 2013 with a third single. It goes like this all of which will earn this debut album a whole lot of attention. Luckily for Rhett, he's ready. And, uh, and this set, which features the kind of deep, drawled Southern vocals and more rock and pop than country production that passes for country music a decade and changed into the 21st century, which undoubtedly generate another charting single or two all of which means Rhett is poised to be the next big thing in the genre. It's a solidly professional outing featuring all three of his singles and other tracks of similar construction. It's full of energy, good humor, and the kind of back road, good old boy wisdom that everybody seems to love these days. <laughs> I think is code word for bro country. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it feeds more off nostalgia than reality, there really aren't any slack cuts on here. I'll disagree. Mm-hmm. Although one track, Sorry for Partying, a drunken waltz, if there ever was one, is a particular highlight. This album should put Rhett over the top as a contemporary country star. End quote. Were we just not a custom or like not labeling what bro country was? Because I feel like this album would be ripped to shreds today for being too too parting not substantive enough and and just kind of weak lyrics and blah 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 but <laughs> seven years ago hell this was a winner yeah i mean this 
it there's definitely the strong moments on here with some of the songs and the songwriting and production, but there's some songs where you hit play and I hate to say mm-hmm. this, but it, it's not long into the song where I'm like, I want to bail. Like, right. It, it's just not, it's just not doing it for me. Yeah. So. It, yeah. I, I totally agree. There was actually more of those songs than I expected to mm-hmm. find on here, at least for me. I listened to this whole album like all the way through and I was like, okay, well, just listen to all of it. Maybe, maybe it just st- starts off weird. Maybe it just is auto-tuned in the beginning and then it never leaves. And I'm like, okay. But then it's like, all right. It's in his early 20s. This is the phase of life he was going through. This, is, this was his life. And obviously, I think that's the cool thing too, going back to this album, is you can really see like his progression as mm-hmm. like a songwriter, as an artist the production and then just the stuff he writes about as well just seems to have advanced throughout his twenties. Agreed. Yeah, it was, he definitely, he's evolved and he's really found that, that groove, but I, you know, you could argue, I think his personal life has affected his music definitely for the better. That's what I would definitely. And also he had that very like 2012, 2012 Bieber sweep haircut. And I was just, Right, you know, just prime, just one of the. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you this question: um, Do you like being as who you are? Do you like the song "All American Middle Class White Boy"? Did that song speak to you at all? <sighs> no. Okay. Here's the thing: when we do these podcasts for the album collection. I write the track list down and I jot little notes next to each song. Mm-hmm. The notes that I have next to this one, the song, the song you just mentioned, All American Middle Class White Boy. Yes. I just wrote no. <laughs> That's, I'm just leaving it there. No. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All uh, right. Uh, the, I get what they were going at. As good of uh, songwriters as there are on this project, they could have done a better job. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It makes me wonder what songs were cut that didn't make the final album. God, I hope they were were more of that type and not more of like some of the good ones. Right, right. All right. Well, what some are the good ones? What do you want to start with? Songs, yeah. Uh, before we get there, it's got a few stories about some of these songs. Oh, I like stories. Yeah. So let's see here. Uh, it goes like this, right? May of 2013 released number one, triple platinum quote from Red Red Akins says, never in my mind did I think that Thomas Rhett was going to record it because at that time, he had already cut a bunch of songs and we thought this, we thought his album was going to come out in spring. I think they pitched it to Luke Bryan and some other people and it just miraculous, miraculously hung around enough. I did send it to Thomas Rhett just because I wanted him to hear it. I didn't even think he was going to record anything else. I just thought it was a song he would like to hear. He immediately called me back and said, dad, this song is a smash. My wife loves it. I've played it for all my friends and they love it. I want it. So I was like, well, I don't know if you can have it because you're basically not gonna be able to record it for another year or two. 
Uh, it just so happened that not so long after his record label, Big Machine, told Thomas Rhett they wanted to cut some more stuff. And as soon as Thomas found out he's going to be able to record some more, uh, he knew he definitely wanted to give a shot at that song. Uh, during this song's run in the higher regions of the country chart, five of the top 10 songs at the time were written, co-written, or sung by either Thomas Wright or his dad. <laughs> the first time, as far as anyone can remember, data shows that a father-son team contributed to half a country's top 10. Wow. That's yeah. a good story. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to be the title of the album as well. Right. right. I remember that song in particular hearing it driving around and I'm like, this is so good. Who is this guy? And I never heard of him. And I know he had other singles before this, but I was like, this is it. This is a good song. Yep. And yeah. He knew it too. It was fresh and new, but it's still, it's, it's weird to think like there was ever a time when we didn't know who Thomas Red is. Right. <laughs> you can say that with a lot of artists, like you don't know who they are until you do. Right. right. It was just a, there's nothing like drastically different about him, but he just had, there's, there was some sort of it factor with him. Yeah. Yeah. He was young and he was country, but then still had other flavors in there. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the story for that one. So I just wanted huh. to get that in. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, hidden gems, which I, honestly, weirdly enough, I have five hidden gems on here. Ooh. And I don't know. I don't know why I have them as hidden like that many. Part of me thinks that it's be- is that many because I'm like, there's something here. They just didn't do it right all the way. Like there could be others potential. But there's only twelve songs on the album, and five were singles. You're telling me that all but two is what you have. Um. I have four that were not released as singles and one that was uh, just someone else. Okay. Singing. okay. So um, it was a little, maybe, maybe 22 year old Emily would have liked this album a little bit more, but we're also like COVID and we don't go out and party, I guess maybe, but a lot of it was just a little bit too bro. And like, what's in your cup? But I'm like, eh. It's beer. Relax. Um, so my hidden gems would be in a minute, but my top hidden gem is take you home. That's, that's like the only other one of the album besides the singles that I listen to. And I'm like, this should have been a single or like, this feels like Thomas Rock could release it today and it would still be a good song. So those are my two. Uh, I'd say, okay, those are my two as well. I think I, I oddly enough, combined Hidden Gems and Matchmaker together. Okay. Uh, I was <laughs> but no, I, I wrote for um, for Take You Home. It would have been my choice for a fourth single or sixth single, however you want to phrase it. Like That would have been my choice for... I mean, but taking it besides something to do with my hands. I would have picked that over... I yeah, know. I don't really like something to do with my hands. Not a big fan. Yeah, I mean, like I, I look at this album, and I, I guess technically there's five singles, but I look at it as three. Right. Um. So that 
it, it's like the dilemma of like, are we good with the three and like, let's move on to the next project. And they made a right call. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there would have been, if there would have been a fourth single, that's what I would have, I would have picked that one. But he comes out after this album, his next one, it comes out with crash and burn and then die a happy man. And he was, off yeah, he took off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, matchmaker, you're not a fan of a lot of the songs on here, so I'm curious what you. Well, think. and I feel like a lot of them could be very interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Interchangeable, you know. I mean, you could put FGL on a song or Cole Swindell. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I just stuck with <clears throat> Beer with Jesus, which is a really good song, really underrated. It only went to 26, I think, on the chart. So whatever he releases it today it goes to number one it's just kind of how things are but i think maybe it's because jordan davis just released like church and a chevy but i feel like he'd be really good at beer with jesus or uh, tim mcgraw can really sing anything but that seems kind of up his alley too uh just the nice soft southern voice just kind of carries the lyrics so that would probably be my pick well uh Let's stick with Beer Jesus because I have five artists that I jotted down as like, I would love to hear them take a stab at it. And I want you to rate one to 10, how you feel about them singing Beer the Jesus. Okay. 10 being, I really like it. One, not good. Got it. Okay. Eric Church. 10, 15, 20. (laughs) I know you're not a fan of this guy, but I'd be curious to see what it sounds like. Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Nine, nine and a half. Trace Atkins. Ooh, I just heard him. <laughs> I just heard the deep baritone with beer with Jesus. <laughs> it might get, yeah. It might get darker. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was a good one. Yeah. Jake Owen. I thought about Jake Owen for another song and I forgot which one it was, but yeah, he's, I don't want to say he's like in his element right now with the songs he's releasing, but this is yeah. totally something he could do. Yep. And then the fifth one was, I try to figure out which, which female artist would be good for it. I think there's a few, but I went with a name that a lot of people might not know of, but we do Haley Witters. I would be curious. Ooh, her voice is so unique. That's the thing. It is so mm-hmm. And it would sound way different than what TR sounded like or these other four. Right. Yeah, but it's very much a story. And her songs are also story-centric. And she's a good storyteller with her voice. So, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good ones. So, that was I, I was, I was on a, I had Eric Church. And I'm like, oh, Stapleton, that'd be good. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, many good, so many good options here. Yeah. Uh, this is such a, it's a, such a good song for Thomas Rhett that I think I don't know if he doesn't want to stay in that lane because it sounds so authentically country and, and the lyrics are good. Um, I don't know. But some people, like I said, wish he would have stayed in that lane more so, but no, they changed it up, I guess. Uh, did you have any other matchmakers? No. Nah. I'll just, nope. I'll run through mine real quick. Um, Call me up. It's a it's it's a very mid tempo. There's it didn't go one way or the other, and I would make it faster and give it to Jordan Davis or Jimmy Allen. 
Um, in a, I wouldn't mind him trying to re-release it, like more of a modern spin on it, mm-hmm. or give it to Mitchell Tenpenny and his like rap. Mitchell, voice. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Take you home. I put Cole Swindell or Dylan Schneider. And then, uh, sorry for partying. Party. <laughs> it grew. It did. Yeah. There's some, I don't know who it is, but there's a fee. There's, I feel like there's some female harmonies in the background on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we make this a duet? Like, why okay. don't we it like a, we're both fun people, like to drink and have fun and party and we love each other, whatever, whatever. So it's kind of a rowdy song. So I said, I'm either going to have Luke Combs or Dustin Lynch do it with Miranda Lambert or Megan Patrick. Oh. And I think Megan Patrick would pull it off really well. And I think Luke Combs would too. It also kind of sounds like something Terry Clark could have covered. <laughs> Ooh, yes. You know, she kind of is one of those don't give a damn, likes to have fun, you know. Yes. So. That's fun. That's a good twist to it. But yeah, yeah, some of those songs I think were just so hard for me to like that I don't think I want to hear anyone else anymore. (laughs) So that's that's one way of looking at it. The other way is like, it didn't do it for me, but I feel like there's there's something there. Like, I don't want it to go to waste. I want to hear someone else take a stab at it. Right. Yeah, just how you can rearrange a song, pick it up, slow it down. Yeah. Production, yeah. All right, so the metal stand. I'm going to assume this one does not make the metal stand, but I'm curious because it, for you, it either misses it or it takes third. <laughs> right. So my metal stand only has two places, and it's even because I can't decide which one. Ask me one day, and I'll be like, life changes. That album was so good. I couldn't stop listening to it when it came out. The other part of me is like, oh, you listen to Tangled Up. There's a few songs here and there that could go, but it was so good. I listened to that all the time in college. It's just this album, the singles are so strong. They're so good. So, and then I was looking at Center Point Road, his latest one, right? He only has four, right? I wasn't missing anything. Okay. Yep. Center Point Road came out and it kind of just seemed like wash rinse repeat it wasn't anything new or staggering for me um so i don't know i would say the quality of songs are better than the bro country ones from this album but i like the singles on this one better so it's like the ultimate debate of like do you like an album better because the three singles are better than three singles or that the collection of songs on one is better than the other. Like that's the. So here's what I'll do. I will, I'll make a decision. I'll put. Okay. What if, what if you had to, on an entire road trip, you had to listen to an album song after song repeat for three or four hours you can't, no skips. You have to listen to every song. Which okay. album would you rather listen to? Okay. Start to so, that's helpful. So that means I would put Life Changes as the first album. 
And that's only because Tangled Up has a song Vacation on it, and I can't stand that song. <laughs> um, and then if I could take, I think I've said this before to you, the second half of Centerpoint Road. Yeah. So I listened to that all the way through, and once I got to, I don't know, song six or seven, because it's a long album, it's when it kicked into gear. I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah. Uh, 16 songs on Centerpoint Road. Yes. Uh Song number five is the title track. And I know you're not a fan of, but the duet with Kelsey, I love. But then mm-hmm. song six is that old truck. Seven, VHS, I can kind of do without. But then it's Notice and Beer. Notice, yeah. Remember you young. Notice was my favorite. Or like the one that kind of got, okay, I can go through the rest of it now. Yeah. So I think that would be it. I think as a whole album, Centerpoint Road is much stronger than... Um, it goes like this, but I don't know. Still, Life Changes was peak Thomas Rhett for me, at least. I love that album. Yeah, for me, for me, it's. <laughs> I mean, Tangle Up. I was pulling up the list here. I mean, I I listened. I played the heck out of this one too. I mean, there's some of the songs that he didn't release, like oh, so good with Fire. Uh, he released one with Jordan Sparks, another one with Daniel Bradbury, I think. Um, like it's the last time is one of my favorite uncut songs of all yeah. time. Yes. Um, so that like, there's some good ones there, but then it's like, you look at life changes and I feel like there wasn't a bad. Right. There's like maybe right. one or two that I'm like, eh, if you play it, not a fan, but whatever. Yep. But yeah, start to finish that one. That's his. That's his album. So yeah, I would go. Life Great. changes, then tangled up. We we'll go center point row. Um, kind of like you said, the second half of the album is really good. Yeah. I think fewer skips in that one than uh, it goes like this. Agreed. Yep. So if I could take like three or four songs from it goes like this, put it on the front part of center point road and mash that into one album. <laughs> we got it. Okay. Then is that the, where does that album rank? Oh shoot. Man. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, the third? probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like his greatest hits album is going to be so good when it comes out, which is probably, Next. In the next. <laughs> He's just one of those that writes songs all the time. You know, some artists really need to step away, give it a few years. He just, it's constantly, his brain must just be next level. Yeah. He, his greatest hits album is going to have to be something where it's going to be like six months after an album comes out, like, hey, surprise, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's going to be, yeah, I just don't know when when that'll be but well, i just saw he posted he has a 16th number one song with be a light it's crazy 16 number ones in seven years that's what's crazy you know who's gonna break that though right luke combs <laughs> yeah 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 that's true well country's in good shape uh um, agreed any final parting shots parting thoughts about this album no, it would be a fun album maybe to put out um, like on a boat or if you are one of those good old country boys in your truck, 
Um, it feels like some of the songs on here is what Hardy and Morgan Wallen are doing now, but at an elevated level, like better, better quality, but very similar themes. Yeah. Like <clears throat> how, how can I explain it? Like the drunken immaturity is less drunk and more mature with Hardy and Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Like, like you not the, you, you feel less icky listening to those songs <laughs> than you do on some of these. Yeah. A, it's, some of these are just like a little cringeworthy. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that what your but final hey, thoughts are? The album are a little cringeworthy at times. Yeah. There's just somewhere I'm like, what or why? You know, some albums have that like a theme to it where like one song, I think that's what I love most about life changes is they don't all sound the same, but they seem to fit like a puzzle. And this one, it was just like, and maybe part of it is listening to him now. It's like, what is he doing? But again, like you said earlier, right. He's college age kid and and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. Right. Yes, we still love TR. Uh, this was fun. I'm sure we'll do Thomas Red albums in the future with plenty of other artists and albums to tackle and whatnot. So some other tricks up our sleeve coming down the road. But uh, for Emily, this is Aaron, and this is the Album Collection. Thanks for listening.